Who put their hand up when asked, who wants to be a footballer? I'm Johnny McPhee. This is Play, Train, Grow. Let's find out what happened after you put your hand up. Hello and welcome to Play, Train and Grow, a podcast that's going to ask what is life really like chasing the dream of becoming a professional footballer. In this episode, I'm delighted to talk to Matty Zata about his own personal journey through academy football and into the first team. Matty, how are you, buddy? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, Johnny. I'm good. Excellent. I have to admit, I'm a bit nervous and excited to get this up and running. Uh, just for the listeners, I've known Matty for quite a long time now. I worked with him at Aloha uh, Athletic when he was, oh, be 11, 12? Yeah, 11, 12, yeah. And uh, since then, please just tell us what your journey's been and where clubs you've been and uh, why football has been your your love and uh, frustration, no doubt, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, since Alwa at under 12 started loving the side, I've been at uh, Rangers after that. And then after Rangers, I went to Dundee United. But when I was at Rangers also, I had a loan spell at East Kilbride. And I played with the national team as well when I was at Rangers at under-15 level. And then I went to Dundee United. Uh, started off well there. Um, got call-up for Zimbabwe under-23s for the Africa Cup of Nations. And went over to Zimbabwe and played against Mozambique in a double-header. Um, in Mozambique and one in Zimbabwe. So I made my debut there. And then went to... Uh, Dumbarton after Dundee United things didn't work out quite as well as I planned and I had a loan spell from Dumbarton to uh, Rossville as well and I was at the uh, Tayport as well for about with Dundee United which I failed to mention so I've had quite a few loan spells and then right now it's obviously with the pandemic and everything it was a bit hard to get the teams to trial and everything just because there was maximum numbers of 20 and I went along and played a little bounce game against Bowen Juniors against the seniors and uh, managed to get signed there for the year so it was obviously with everything going on right now well it's been stopped so we've been about yeah. Uh, We're in chaotic times at the moment hopefully we're in February almost a year into lockdown so I think we're hopefully starting to see roots of excitement for the future. Um, like you said, you, you've been across a, a number of academies and you've had a number of first-team chances. So so um, I'd really like to ask about your best moments coming through in academy moments. What what comes to mind when you think about just those really fun, enjoyable times, things that made you fall in love and keep pushing on through the systems? Um, well, at Aloha, it was... Mostly just the first half of the season, we were a new team. Most of us hadn't played for years. We were, we, we were struggled the first half of the season. There was a lot of coaching and everything involved that you and Tony done uh, very well. And the second half of the season, we started picking up results. And the first memorable part was against uh, Clyde Batters, six now or something. The first game is the first couple of games of the season. Then we played them at Alwa when they came back in the second half of the season, 
and uh, we beat them 1-0 and that was probably the the start of everything. We all just took confidence from that and it was purely just the passion of just winning and then it just got into that motion Then we went to Rangers. Obviously, it was we're one of the best teams in the country that on the 14 stage, on the 13 stage, we were beating every team like 10 now and all that. You just, you just get into that like win mentality. We played also in old form, we being Celtic. It was just that constant winning and just the passion, playing with the boys in a good dressing room, having a laugh and everything. And then obviously the special moments come uh, when you get called up to the Scotland national team and you pretty much just don't stop there. It's just obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of highs in football growing up. You kind of feel not uh, untouchable in a way just because everything was just falling in my way. Everything that you picture in your bed at night is just happening and you just it kind of feels a bit unrealistic when you're in the moment. Sorry, and just in here, but but give us more on that. You know, you feel untouchable. Is that through yeah. how you're playing on the pitch, your command on the pitch, how how much you're improving? Is it the group cohesion? What what is it that gets you into that untouchable moment in that untouchable mode? It's pretty much when obviously when when the team's winning, anyone can pretty much feel untouchable when you're winning week in, week out. I was I was scoring a lot of goals when I was younger as well. And I had dulled a couple few like call ups to the older age as well at Rangers. And I remember the first game I played with the older team when I was 14, played against Hearts in the 15s, and I came off the bench and I scored two goals. And obviously, that was that was a big, probably one of the big, big highlights when I was like under 14, playing for under 15s and scoring two goals kind of puts your chest up a little bit and then when you go and you play back with your own team, everyone is like lifting each other, trying to be the next person to get called up there and everyone's just working well together. There wasn't really much any bitterness in the team. Everyone was just happy for each other and wow. everyone got their shot as well. Just love that. It sounds just like such a great group, such a great feeling and must have been what full of confidence, absolutely flying. Must have been yeah. At that point, you couldn't wait to come into training and just get get out in the pitch. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was really great. There was a lot of times you were always with somebody in your team from being at school because I went to the game high performance school as well, and there was Rangers boys there. Then we'd take the bus after school, and we'd go straight from school to Murray Park and that was like a, a journey of about an hour and a half or so all in the bus all having a laugh you get to train and everyone's in like a good mood and then you just go out and train and come back and it's it's just all like you obviously find time the balance of having a laugh and hard work was really good because you obviously went out and you worked hard to try and impress then when you come off there wasn't nothing on the pitch was brought back into the dressing room. Everything was left left there, no comments, no afters or anything like that. It was just all good communication, a good team bonding as well. That sounds like a fantastic environment to improve in. So when you're going through these great times, you've talked about 
playing for Scotland, playing up age groups, even a bit older when you get the chance to play for Zimbabwe. You know, what does it feel like when you're on the pitch? You know, I often talk to the boys about when you're on the pitch, you don't want to think. You want to be in an automatic mode because thinking slows you down. And I often talk to them about, you know, visualising the best them, either their best shot, their best tackle, their best goal, trying to find ways to to get into that mode of being the best you and the best you you could be. So what did it feel like on the pitch and what motivated you when you're in those those situations? Well, the, always one thing that I tried in near enough every game, I always, in the first nights, I would give myself about three minutes to do something on the pitch, whether for me is as basic as get the ball, pass it, move it on, move the team forward, like a positive pass, like forward first and then if not sideways try to really go back if I had to go back then I'd probably try to take somebody on or if it was a bit of a tougher game get that first challenge and set the tempo for the game like that was the vision of the best me just trying to uh, do something do something positive so everyone else in the team could work off that positivity and try have just a bit just a bit about them as well and love, love it man so you what three minutes you said you would give yourself to try and mm. really impose yourself in the game and it didn't sound like you looked for anything specific you just looked for an opportunity to jump on and then just yeah try and boost yourself but also to say to boost the team as well is such a great thing to hear yeah yeah it was just it just it wasn't ever anything spectacular anything anything that you really like dream about it was just some just things just as basic Things a bit hectic in the first like couple of minutes of the series. Like I, a good touch from a difficult ball coming to you and just passing the ball can really set and it can really calm nerves and really help the team. Oh, I like that. Yeah, even something as simple as a, a touch is such a great thing to hear. I think as a from my standpoint, being the coach, it's a I love to see someone that wants to just go and get involved straight away. And the thing is, that doesn't have to be on the ball. That could be about keeping team shape or starting a press or there's loads of little things off it. But it's great to hear that you just wanted that sort of first sort of three minutes, try and really get involved in the game. Um, and I'd like to touch on the Scotland stuff you've talked about. What was it like going from what was what you're saying, that you know, the best age group in the country that you were playing in? What was it like then going into the Scotland squad where the best come together? It was obviously when in the academy we obviously train all towards that. So you, you see the standards. You're training with good, the best players around in the country. Then you'd also go to the tournaments and play against against other very good schools and everything. But then when you actually get the chance to go international team to set up and be chosen as one of the more be- the better players in the country at the time. Then you you do feel like you've got a world of confidence. There there could be a bit of I wouldn't say like so much a bit of awkwardness because it could be uh, you haven't really spoken to the other other team. You're just used to being just with all the boys in your team. But then after the first couple of days, that kind of bond is broken. Everyone starts mixing. So it's it's just a really a good group thing as well. You, you need to just have that that Sunday, especially for me, just being like like choir in the first couple of 
days or so for of meeting somebody new, somebody that can really bring the dressing room alive and have everyone laughing as well is good. And that's what you got in this the Scotland self as well. Those all those dressing rooms just full of people that could get people going and have a laugh and everything. No, that's brilliant. So it's great just hearing you talk about moving through the age group. So so as you've moved through the age groups from 11s through 12s, 13s, 14s, up to 16s, 17s, did you notice there in terms of the four pillars of football, so your technical, your physical, your tactical, your psychological development, did you notice a, a change in yourself as you got older? So, you know, at 12s and 13s, were you more focused on maybe technical improvement? And then as you got older, was there a shift in focus in terms of trying to improve as a an individual? Yeah, there definitely was when I was 12, 13, 14, obviously. Uh, I got picked up uh, from Rangers just because of what I was doing. I already seen uh, the potential. So when I got there, there was boys that were already there that had been there for years. They're still there now that were really just technically miles better than me. So I was always like sometimes like just try to find a way, just like copying their technique, trying to get better at my technique. And then as I got older, uh, and my technique was catching up in a way as well, I started to get more tactical, thinking instead of having like a really good technique or whatever, I really did touch to get myself out of a situation. Tactically, where could I be that doesn't like force me to have that really good technique and everything? So I, I just started working tactically more in my game, try to find more space and have better awareness as well of what's about me. And that's still something that I'm definitely improved better at because my awareness has improved a lot. And tactically as well, um, try to become. Uh, more uh, vocal as well so I can kind of play football like a game of chess in a way like if I move here is he going to come with me or is he going to think I can't I can't move here I need to stay and then hopefully if he stays then I can get on the ball and somebody else is making a movement somewhere else and we can get in the ball and get in behind him just that way just try to become more tactical because as you can see now, the game's getting a lot more tactical. It's a lot less 100 miles per hour and everything is a lot more tactical. So that's a good part of the game and really trying to improve on a I like, lot. I like. So what would you use as a, a tool for improvement? So you know, now there's YouTube and so many clips and, and so many games, your own games get filmed, they go online. What were your sources of information? You've already mentioned that you would look at the better players in your group, which is fantastic. Is, is there anything else you would do? It was definitely watching watching football in general, like just watching players that play similar positions. No one, no one in particular. When Obviously, when I was younger, I looked, I really looked up to... Steven Gerrard and the way he played, the, the passion he put in the pitch, how he could bring, literally drag a team through 90 minutes, like all the way through his career, he was a great leader. And that's what I just, that's what I really inspired and wanted to be like and still working towards that. That's but, fantastic. I mean, the, the best, the best are always 
the ones you sh- for me you should be watching. You know, success leaves clues. So if you're looking at somebody who's already there and doing it, even taking small bits from them is going to develop you massively. And kind of talking about that, that sort of learning, you, you transition through the age groups, you're now moving into full-time football. How, how did that change your approach to development, training and everything else that came with it? No, it was it was definitely it was definitely different because I was still I was still going to school two times a week as well, one the days off and a half day, a half day on a Friday. But it was it was a change at the first at first I was, it took a bit of getting used to because I also stay out here in Telecutry, so getting up in the morning, getting a half six train from Alloa to be in Mulgai for for breakfast time before half eight getting changed and up there it was getting used to into routine but once I was in a routine I stopped kind of thinking to myself right I need to be in at this time and doing this I would start you waking up earlier to be in there earlier so uh, once I got into that routine I started finding ways of getting more out of it instead of Right, we've got these training sessions on throughout the day and all those times that we weren't doing something, I was trying to find a way on how to improve myself, whether or not it was just stretching or just even general, just having conversations with people on your team on how to get better or just in general, just talking to a teammate is the closer bond you can have with players off the pitch can really show and improve yourself on the pitch as well. Like that's what you find even now. Like the teams that have players that have been playing longer together are usually they usually play better in, in a team in general. But with new faces or whatever and they haven't quite bonded then that's when the struggle is. So when I was coming up full time and I was mixing with all the players, trying to just get closer with them and everything just to obviously improve my game and myself uh, on and off the pitch. Yeah, so you've, you've talked about, you know, having to get up at half six. And I think there's a an element of where we don't explain or people don't see the effort that goes on behind the football pitch, behind the training pitch. So how old are you when you're getting up to get a half six train in the morning? Well, before uh, it was six, 16, I was doing that at 15 as well, but when I went, Full time. I was doing it at sixteen in the summer two thousand sixteen. So when obviously everyone's on their summer holidays, whatever, going on holiday here in first of July, getting up, it was actually early. That I would begin a half six train if my mom could take me there. But if she was working night shift or whatever, I'd be getting the bus that's just up the road at eleven minutes, uh, eleven minutes past six, to then get onto the train at Alawa to then get through to Glasgow and then get another train out to Mulgai and then walk from Mulgai train station to the training ground. In terms of trying to prepare as an athlete, I mean, that's so much going on before you even think about training. You know, if you think about all that that's going on, you've got the support of your family and your mum who who's working different shifts. So you've got to work your your schedule and your your base around that. Then you need to hope the bus is there on time. And no doubt there's worries about the bus turning up or the bus not turning up or worries about missing a train. And, you know, 
I think it's really important we, we think about how, what this takes. You know, you've finished school, it's summer holidays. Most people say, oh, it's time for a break. But your reality is I'm up at half five in the morning, quarter to six. I need to get the bus. I need to get the train. Because I, I, I need this routine. And this routine is what's going to get me to wherever I end up going. And I think yeah. it's fantastic to hear that as an insight. And there's, there's so many people in, in academy football at that age group that, that are doing these things. And it's a real credit that you, you still manage to maintain your ability in training and on the pitch at that point, because it must have been an absolute shock to you. Yeah, it was. It was a real like shock. I was getting in training the first couple of times, and I'd be, I'd be tired because obviously, uh, most people think the day starts at like eight o'clock, but really my day was starting. I wouldn't. My first, if I got the bus, it'd be eleven minutes past six, but I'd be waking up at half, at half five just to get myself up and ready and make sure I had everything I needed to take. And by the time it, I'd be in training for my breakfast, happy, that's three hours already that I've been up. And then training would be half ten. So that's even longer. That's five hours I've been up. And by that time, it kind of take, it takes a toll. And then when you're having an intensive day and you're watching – Boys have had like I don't know he had even had the lift to train or had even that an extra half an hour forty five minutes in bed, just getting away from you, just getting in front of you. It can it does get frustrating and does take a toll on the mindset as well. Because it's, when you so so you're talking about how it takes a toll on the mindset. So just to, to keep going through your day, so you're walking me through what a day would look like, and um, when you're in full time. So what time are you? leaving the training base and starting the trip home of walking to Mogai, get the train into Glasgow, get the train to Alwa. What time does that start and what time do you get home? Well, by, by that time, it starts even being younger. You you obviously just anywhere. You just have to tidy up after older players. You have to obviously tidy your own dress room as well, put away your kit, make sure it's get the kit man, clean your boots for the next day and everything. And by that time, you're everything goes well. Everyone on time. You, you could be leaving quarter to four, four o'clock maybe after. Then you walk to Mulgai, and then I usually just got any train I could in Glasgow, even if it was going to Glasgow Queen Street or Glasgow Central. If I went to Glasgow Central, I'd walk up and trains to lot unfrequent. They aren't, very, they aren't frequent at all. And sometimes I'd be lucky my brother worked in Stalin at the time and I'd be lucky to get an express train from Glasgow Queen Street that took me into Stalin, an Aberdeen train. And I would get off at Stalin and he'd be finishing work at half five and I'd be like, perfect, I can just get a lift home with him. Sometimes I'd just miss that train and then there'd be a half an hour wait and then after a long day, you had your lunch about one o'clock. This is five o'clock, quarter past five. You're sitting there, you're like, you've got, basically, it's, you've, you've got to get up in 12 hours again and you're still in Glasgow. And That's such an incredible, um, just one day. And you're doing this day after day after day. Now, things that are coming to my head or you've talked about mindset 
I mean, to have the, the positive growth mindset to just get up day after day and try and achieve what you want to achieve. I think it's a really important message to get out there that it's really not easy. You know, how often do we hear the sentence, being a footballer is easy? Yeah, it's, it frustrates me when a lot of people, a lot of people say it because I, I, I try, I try, I hold myself back and say, like, you, how, how can you, how, how can you say that when you've not been in a footballer's shoes and you've not seen the effort and the commitment and everything that you're losing that you get in your social life, like everything that you have to miss out on just because due to the commitments you need to make. And obviously uh, right now I work in that kind of, well, I work eight till five, that environment. So I've seen like the both sides of it. And I'm not obviously trying to start up anything, but in my opinion, I personally think that when I was a full-time footballer, it was a lot harder, obviously physically and on the mind than it was right now, right? In my line of work, obviously, I haven't done sort of like a labouring job or whatever, like working out in the cold or whatever. That obviously, they can have like, a completely different opinion if, if they have done that and they've worked both times both types of full-time football and that sort of job. But I can, uh, I just, sometimes I just don't agree when people say that they're being a footballer. Because, because it, there's two parts to it, kind of from my position in that if, if you don't see it every day, you don't understand what it takes. If you don't understand what it takes and you form an opinion on it, you always think you're going to be right. You know, there, there's the Dunning-Kruger effect of you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. these voices come in and, and I'm interested to know that, you know, your past not being a, at the moment is not where you want it to be. And you're still striving to get back into that where you want to be with football. And you talked, you've talked about mindset and you, you've talked there about hearing people saying stuff. So have you looked to improve on that mental side of the game as you got older? Because you've talked about going from Rangers to, to Dundee United. That's another change. And then, from Dungeon United, you ended up going to Dumbarton. So you've had a lot of changes and a lot of things that would affect or could affect you mentally. It could get you down. You know, what did you do to, to keep going during these times and to keep yourself motivated? Um, well, it was in 2019. It was in the January. I was being told uh, that uh, I was being I was being let go. I done by Dundee, no Dundee United, yeah. And at that point, I was just like in the space of a year because the year before that at Rangers, it was the same. I wasn't getting a contract at the end of the year. At that time, I just thought when I went back to the digs, I was staying in Dundee United. I was just thinking, I was like, this is happening again. Like second, the second year in a row has happened again. And at that point, you just think, like, what what am I going to do? Just what am I going to do? You're feeling lost at this point. Is it, is it, yeah. A feeling of you feel lost. You're, you're, you're yeah. totally confused. You know, at the age of 16, when most of your peers and most folk you know at your own age are going out and doing whatever they want to do, you're getting a bus. 
and a train into Glasgow and getting up at half five. And now you fast forward a few years and, and you sound a bit lost. So what would you say to people that are on the journey or people that are thinking about, you know, becoming a footballer or any sport really that involves rejection? Because you're so young when you get rejected. So what, I know you're being brave here and I appreciate that. So what would you say to them about how you felt and how you cope with that and who helped you with it? Um, well, what 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 I would say is, uh, is when when it happens, you do think the world is over, but it's 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 important to just keep on keep on going. You need to you need to think. I I personally would say that you can you can at the time you can have a wee cry, you can feel sorry for yourself, but that can't last. You need to get up the next morning and either prove somebody wrong or just keep on going just for your own like mental health and your own just like your own mindset and just keep on going you just need to keep on moving if something doesn't go your way just keep going if a roadblock comes find a way around it don't just stand there and look at wall just find your way around it sounds like you're you're talking about just taking take 100% responsibility it doesn't matter what happens just try and take responsibility accept it and then maybe what set a new goal or a new target or I don't know what what would you do in that scenario if if I if I can take you back to that difficult place of say being released by Dungeon United I mean you're going back to the digs where all the other boys are so there's a there's that I don't know, what is it is there a fear to go back to the digs is there a worry going back thinking um is my my dreams over you know give us a bit yeah, more I, I actually like remember the day was when it when it happened I was on I was on loan at Tayport and I was meant to go training that night and it was only me and another boy that were told and I was like it was completely the way that it happened it was it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't I don't think it was fair to be honest and when it happened I just remember after it getting in my car and phoning the manager that I was on loan I was like I, I don't I don't want to come and train tonight I was like I was I, was, I also got told I wasn't I wasn't getting a new contract and it was frustrating because on loan I was I was doing really well and I was just uh, I, I just went home I drove from we were meant to stay in Dyke so I just drove from up from Tanadice back home just spending just spending the night there and obviously my brother's coming from work and he's, he's wondering why I'm home and I've told him he was just like you just like in all due respect, he was like, doesn't matter what they think. Didn't exactly say like that, but he was like, doesn't matter what they think. You need to get up and you need to keep on going. You just need to keep on moving. Like there's better things to come. There's I can you'll regret not doing enough before getting let go, but you'll definitely regret lying here and not doing anything about it. And giving up chasing the dream. What a phenomenal piece of advice that is. What what a great bit of of advice that is from your brother. I don't think you anyone could have said it any better at that point. Thank you so much for for sharing that. That you know, so few make it in football, and I think we focus too much on the ones that do make it. Which I mean, I think in the UK is less than one percent are are successful. Mm. So thank you for sharing that. I, I do appreciate that. Um. 
we're just going to graze through a, a couple of other aspects of, of sort of academy, first team football. Just look for your thoughts on it. So you've talked already about um, dealing with pressure, uh, the use of sort of imagery and self-talk. Is there, is there anything along those lines, relaxation strategies that you use at any point really or that you've learned recently that have helped you that you could pass on to anybody else? I think when the best thing, especially now when I when I was starting to play in a first-team environment, starting to play in front of crowds or whatever, it, the thing that I always tried to do to settle my nerves, whether it's coming off the bench or starting, was go back to that three-minute rule, which I picked up from a very young age. I was like, this is my, everybody might not get the same jab or confidence that I do. The first thing I do, the first time I get near the ball or get near someone I'm playing, either win that ball and take someone with me or I get the ball, make a positive pass, run off the ball, create an angle, something, just something positive. Because the minute that you do something negative and everyone gets on your back and first team coaches or like experienced players as well, that's when everything can kind of go like a bit south for you and you can you kind of kind of start to hide, hide away and that's I like, I, like that. I like I really like that phrase so I'd like to just explore that a little bit so so you're trying to be positive you're trying to have an impact on the game and then all of a sudden you it doesn't have to be you you could see a teammate who's getting that little bit of criticism maybe sort of the the, the balloon that he's filled up is starting to deflate and I think that's a really important part of, of being an academy player because of the fact that you're still a teenager at that point. So you don't have quite control over the emotions. The emotions still control you. So that, that's a great thing. So what, what do you see or what do you hear that, that creates that situation where people are trying to hide away? Is it just criticism or is it criticism plus what they think of themselves? What's your thoughts? I think it's mostly in in their in their mind. Genuinely, from when I went on loan to East Kilbride, the Rangers, it was the first time I was in a man's environment at seventeen. Uh, I was, in all honesty, I was petrified. To be honest, uh, I was just like, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't have confidence in in my ability when I really should have, because everyone else expected me to have confidence in my ability come from Rangers. And I was just thinking, oh no, I better not, I better not mess up, I better not get on the ball, I just keep it simple or whatever. But everyone else was really expecting me to be demanding the ball and getting on it. But in my mind, I was thinking, no, but it's not. But just because I was just so young and so like premature, Wow, that's that's such an interesting change because we, we started talking about, you know, the best you and you, you felt untouchable. And then at 17, you're thrown into to your adult environment and you ended up sort of regressing in your mindset. Am I, would I be right in saying that? Yeah, yeah. you would definitely, yeah. Yeah, so again, so looking to, to help other people in that situation, looking to offer advice from, from the coaching standpoint, 
I think you've summed up perfectly in your untouchable moment. So when you're in those moments, when you're feeling nervous, when you're really worried about mistakes, you start thinking about things. As soon as you start thinking about it, you start to process information. It takes longer for you to process the information and you lose your technique all because you're thinking about it. The best you, the untouchable you, is the one that flows, the one that doesn't have thought in it. So, you know, maybe there's a, a way here we could talk about having a maybe a phrase you could tell yourself. So if you could think back to when you were untouchable, you're talking about playing with Scotland and being untouchable is a, a phrase you could have maybe created for yourself that you could have used when you, you walked into that adult environment? Yeah, definitely, definitely could have. I think it's, it, I should have just reverted again to my three my three minute things just constantly just give myself that three minutes just to do something positive and just keep on building off that it's obviously the biggest thing that going from Rangers you obviously have a lot of the coaches and everything they're like putting your arm around you telling you everything's like going to be okay you're doing well even though you think you're not doing that great and a lot of other kids have like the mums and dads especially that have that you can hear them at the side of the picture constantly giving you confidence and then when I was kind of thrown into that adult environment I didn't really have anyone there to kind of tell me oh you're all right and everything like obviously they they just expect yeah well you're 17 you've been in full you've been full time for a year like we expect you to go and handle yourself properly but I think they need to realise that every other player kind of needs a different a different approach to it. So did the like weight being, the weight of, of of being a Rangers player, which is really big in, in Scotland, where where we are, it's really big being a, a Rangers player or an old firm player. It carries extra pressure. So do you think you walked into the adult environment at East Kilbride and there was maybe already judgments made about how good you were going to be before you actually got out and performed? Yeah, yeah, there was. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, they've already made their judgments. And I've just kept on just talking to I've just kept on talking to myself and thinking and thinking and thinking. It was just overthinking. It done uh, done it done me no good. It didn't do me any good in the end. And obviously you do have that regret and I say, Oh, if I could go back, I could do I would do this, I would have played better, I would have shown my worst and everything. But then right now I'm just like I can't I can't go back as much as I'd want to I can't go back I just make sure that I've made that mistake I'm not making that mistake again and when I've obviously went to Dundee United I couldn't really get into that uh, into the first team and then when I got poor on loan at Tayport I was thinking right this loan spell is going to be different and I I was lucky to get poor on loan with somebody that was at Dundee United so I had somebody there. Like talk to and everything, just keep me going or whatever. And I done I done a lot better there. I did do a lot better there. So it's, um, I mean, it's great to yeah. hear that you've managed to to transfer it, and it's a really good message that that I'm I'm a big believer that we have to reshape failure. So failure should be seen for me as a positive, because if you can reframe the failure, turn it into a positive, and then use it as a fuel, like you were saying, to get better. And I think those negative thoughts come away. 
but I think it's a real shift in culture that we need to, to actually go out and embrace failure. Um, success leaves clues, and I'm a big believer in that, that when it comes to your, as a footballer with your strengths, your super strengths, what you're really, really good at, you have to really hone them and improve them. But I think you're totally, you've totally hit the nail on the head here with your own description of taking it to Tayport and then just being determined that you weren't going to repeat. And that's a really good message to send out. Yeah, there's just something that I'm really big on myself, to be honest. Like, I just believe if, if I'm failing and making the same mistakes over and over again, it's not a mistake anymore, it's a choice. So that's what I'm trying to completely nullify out my own life off the pitch and on the pitch as well. When I, I made that I mistake that. once or twice, you need to you need to cut it out and figure out why that mistake is coming up and just nullify it, whether it's other people or whatever. You just need to cut that out so you don't make the same mistake mistake again because when once that happens, it becomes a choice and you're effectively making the wrong choice. No, oh, I really like that. that. That helps us move on to maybe things you've learned from football that helps you in the, in the, the outside of football world. So you're now in a, a full-time job, still hoping to get back into football once yeah, this lockdown ends. So so what else can can people take from, or can you take, sorry, from the academy situation and first team situation on top of the, what you've been talking about already? Well, from what I can take from football into my workplace is that I think being just with all the, the path that I've been on, I going to work like every day just taking it as a new day and just staying focused for the full game but well the full day in work even though it is like a nine hour shift I do try and meet every challenge as a new one and start to get really like like perfect that challenge and then move on to self so so I don't I never really try to stay content with where I am I always try to find something else to challenge myself and I can understand a boss can be like you're you're moving a bit faster like he doesn't really expect me to be as far on as I am in the year that I've now been on the job that I am because I'm in an apprenticeship but I do really uh, I've been picked up as a really quick learner since becoming full-time when I was start 16, 17 I wasn't picking up things that quickly because I was making the same mistakes and I wasn't realising it was choices I was making that was leading to those mistakes. No, I like that. So, I like that. so for me, it feels like you're you've become comfortable working outside your comfort zone now. So yes. in, in my in my head here, I'm sitting thinking, you know, what do I take from that? And maybe the message of getting out your comfort zone as often as possible is vital yeah. and you're talking about you know being you know 15 16 trying to figure it out but not quite figuring it out so there's a great message to send out to anyone that that get out your comfort zone embrace new challenges no matter what they are and then almost become comfortable uncomfortable that's is that a great way that you've maybe figured it out a little bit later on yeah yeah definitely there's something i wish uh, figured out when I when I went on loan to school bride 
was I knew I wasn't comfortable. Obviously, going from uh, training in uh, well, Murray Park at the time, a big, one of the best training complex in Scotland, and then going, no, no it's no disrespect to East Coast was a good pitch and everything, and the, we were given good, the good facility that they could provide us with. And I knew I was at my comfort zone, I could feel it. But I just wish my advice to anyone else that feels out of their comfort zone is find a way to get in your comfort zone as quickly as possible before it's too late and you regret it. And you're That's going... Advice. I really like that. And I think the comfort zone's a big thing. You know, and I'll stand and watch a training session and I'll maybe watch a kid or a player or a young man, whatever age is, maybe stand in the same area of the pitch for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, you know, whether it's a possession box, whether it's a tag V defence, it doesn't really matter what it is. You see these guys sitting in their comfort zone and you just think, you know, what are you learning in there? What are you taking from it? And the earlier that you can get that, or the earlier you can figure that out, I think the more you, you get the opportunity to learn. And I like the idea that, that you're talking about that is it's it's get out of it and you can feel it. What what is that feeling? You're talking about I felt uncomfortable. What is it? Is it butterflies? Do you you know? Is it is it a, a mental nervousness? And then how does that translate into your performance? It just feels nervous, and you don't you don't feel like that. You don't feel like you're cutting about with your shoulders out and your chest out. You feel small, and you feel like you're just being watched by everything like everything you do is being criticised when really it's not it's just in your head you're just having a battle with your own head and you've seen I've seen loads of players that have obviously came from different clubs to train with us they've probably been one of the best players at their club and then they've come and train like us and then they've not been that great and then you wonder, where does that come from? He's, I don't know why he's not that good. But then you actually think, maybe it's us that's not making him feel comfortable to bring the best out of them. That's a really good but, point too. That's a really important point that it's the whole, um, one of my non-negotiables, the things you have to do in an age group that I'm working with is, is you have to put the we, not me, at the forefront. So everything you have to do has to be based on the group because, I mean, the numbers that make it are so few, but you still need the 14 or 15 or 16 players to get you there. And that's a, a really important message to get out there. And, and I'm really, really happy to hear that from you too. Um, it, it's a really, really important point you, that we need to nail on in terms of academy football and getting into the first team that when you were talking about the best you, when you were untouchable, you talked about the changing room, how great it was, how everyone felt together. You've talked about Scotland and how everyone came together quite quickly. So that yeah. synergy and that that teamwork as a group is is really important. If you marry that up with staying outside your comfort zone, and then all of a sudden you have a learning environment. And, and my advice on what you've been talking about about the, the sort of mindset and the voices in your head is is Either you're wrong or you're right. It, it's up to you to choose. And that, that's a really important thing. And I'm, I'm, you know, I appreciate you being brave to say something as powerful as that because it's really important to get that message out there for anyone that 
wants to become a footballer, anyone that's an educator or a coach or a parent even, you know, in, in your head, your head's going 100 miles an hour. But outside, did you look calm? Yeah, when we were say, I think I looked exactly what I felt. But really? To be honest. There's, there's a great, you know, think about coping strategies, mechanisms. So I've heard of a golfer who, when he gets nervous, he's got a red dot on his glove. And when he settles up to hit the shot, and this is a, a major winning golfer, a proper elite level golfer, he's a red spot on the glove and he just focuses on that red spot. So it's, it's maybe a, a great opportunity to mention a, a coping strategy. Um, things I've come across are a lot of double claps. You'll clap your hands or I think Wayne Rooney used to pull his socks up. I know Deli Ali had a, an, I used to wipe his eyebrows to communicate with his coach just to say he'd, settle down and calm down so there's loads of different ways of creating coping strategies to, to help with that and uh, thanks for sharing that I really do appreciate that it's great advice and uh, really important is we, we kind of move on to emotions and the way I, I'll describe it is you know if you jump on an elephant is it taking you for a walk or are you kind of guiding it for a walk and how you've described um, your moment at East Kilbride there was the elephant was taking you for a walk. So if you think of your best performances and when you felt good on the pitch, how did you take the elephant for a walk yourself? How would you say you controlled those emotions? When really I was being really vocal, speaking to everybody, because if you have confidence in yourself on the pitch, you can speak out and you can say whatever you want and you don't care what if anyone looks at you thinking, what is he saying? Like, that's when I feel the best to me. If I'm not being vocal and putting myself about and giving a lot of energy out, especially on the days people need it on cold, windy days or whatever, and if I'm not doing that, that's really not the best me. And it's not the, the player the team like needs on that day. And that's what I realise now and that's what I'm working working towards coming better at and team playing now. There's, oh, there's a lot of experienced players. There's a lot of players my age, players I've played with when I was younger as well. They're really good footballers. I like They're that. They're a really good team. What, what you've talked about there is, is you've identified what the good you looks like. So it's the talker on the pitch. No matter the weather, you know if you're talking, you're feeling confident. And that's, that's your sort of way of seeing the best you. And there's different ways of that being that you've got the guys who, who lead by performance, the guys that aren't vocal. And I need to say there's no right or wrong idea here. The key is to have the best you and, and really focus on the best you and then try and take that onto the, the pitch. So you've shared some, some great stories and some great advice. Let's flip it a little bit and, just to ask, you know, what caused a bit of frustration? You know, anything, just wee things, big things, you know, me, me battering you one day with some vocals on the pitch. What, you know, what was it that got you? It's the things that get to me, I think it gets to anyone is when somebody, a manager or whatever, is on the sideline and they're shouting and bawling the full game and telling you specifically, say, saying you by name to do something but they're not on the pitch 
they don't understand what you're thinking. If I do that, where that where's that going to put the rest of my team? How's my team or people behind me, the back four, the centre halves? How are they going to react if I go and press the, their deepest midfielder? That hole behind me is just going to let think their their striker's just going to be like I'll step into that and take the ball. One the centre half so either not either going to go or sit, and if they sit, I've got a sixty yard run back to catch them. But then that's the things like that's what frustrates me really when I think I'm doing something right for the team, and nobody on the team, no, nobody on the pitch is complaining, but. Even the captain, the leaders, but then somebody on the sideline is chirping, and I'm just like, "You, you're, you're probably, you're probably right in what you are saying, but at this moment in time, I think what I'm doing is probably correct. And most people probably won't think like that. Everyone thinks just listen to your manager. If something happens from you, listen to your manager. It's on you. It's on them, not on you. I think it's 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 a big trust thing as well. You know, you're you're talking about that that noise. It's it comes usually from both sides of the pitch. So you've got the coaching side and the other side is quite often parents. So you hear a lot of noise going on, and there's been a lot of of work put into research and studies and advice on what you should do on the pitch. I mean, I, I, my personal thing is that if if I'm not sending something positive out, then I usually won't speak. If if I've got something to say, I'll try and keep it for the half time. I'll try and leave that sort of guided discovery to the player. But yeah, it's it's quite a, a regular and was there anything else that used to just annoy you, tick you off, just wee frustrations or you know, something that parents would say or card journeys home or things you'd maybe hear from other folk and you'd think, Oh, I'm glad I didn't get that. No, so no, no not so much. The things would be probably other people's parents out well. When my mum came to watch football, she'd be really there for a chat with other mums or whatever. So she really didn't she really didn't say much until after the card journey and she was like, I can hear you swearing on the pitch and whatnot. And now yeah, it's my mum, that's what she like. But the things that annoyed me was like if I had like some like a somewhat father figure on the side of the pitch shouting on shouting at me, especially if you're that side of the pitch as well as the coach on the other side of the pitch. I think that frustrated me as well, because when that's happening, I'm always talking to the player on the pitch. I'm just like, don't listen to them. Play your game. Just keep doing what you're doing. And just like, obviously improve, get a bit more quality, but just improve what you're doing. Because sometimes what they're saying is, isn't isn't productive at all. Like shouting, like, come on, isn't really productive. It just really brings... Like anxiety and you feel a bit tense and everything, but I just, I just don't really think that that probably frustrated me the most. To be honest, I, I like thank you again, once again. Thanks for sharing. It's there might be somebody out there who hears that too, and I think the the key is to to communicate as much as possible. So you have to know everybody on the pitch. You have to know the family or situation. You know, you've mentioned a father figure on the side of the pitch, so you have to know your personal side what's going on away from the pitch. And I think communication is important. I don't think there's enough of enough of that that goes on. And I'd like to think as, as we develop with our mindset development and really important aspects of, of psychology, that that's definitely going to be one area that we should all think about a wee bit more. 
is if you're going to open your voice up, what, what's it going to be? Because if it's not positivity and encouragement, you've already said that it's more likely to have a negative reaction. And so how, yeah. just to, to finish off on the, the sort of frustrations part, how, would it take you a while to, to snap out of it? Would it affect you for a while? Well, how long do you think it would, if, if someone annoyed you from the sideline, whether it was a coach or, well, it doesn't matter who it was really, how long would it take for you to maybe recover? It would, it would probably, I would recover fairly quickly, to be honest. The next, the next thing I'd do would either, if the ball's there, be one, I'd either go in with a hard challenge or foul, and that'd be my way of getting rid of the last 20 seconds. That'd be my way of getting, getting over it. It's and obviously, and, um, it's a, an interesting take. You know, yeah. looking at it from my perspective of, if I've affected or you are affected or anybody's affected something on the pitch and their their next thought is to go in and get stuck into a challenge, I'd see a similarity there. There looks like a link between the two that you're saying, oh, maybe I'm not getting frustrated by it or I can move on quickly. But if you're giving a foul away, then it's, you know, that could change a game. So again, it's maybe another area that we can highlight and maybe just raise a little bit more awareness on and maybe people have to think a little bit more before they uh, before they start chirping on the side of a pitch. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, to take, make that that bigger, just to give us that bigger picture, playing with uh, folk in the stands, around the pitch, fans, what, 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 what was that like and what did you take from that? There's some positives and negatives, obviously especially in Scotland as well like everyone loves everyone loves a challenge yeah if you're absolutely if you're, <laughs> if you're if you're at home you make a challenge for 10 minutes whatever sells mid for the game everyone gets up and there's like everything gets that bit feisty or whatever and you can hear people at the side just giving you just like encouragement and everything and you feel good, you feel like you're full of confidence and everything, you just feel like the next thing, like they all trust me now to just like do something, win the ball back or whatever. But then obviously if you're on the other side of it and you do it in a wayground and then you hear or you you don't you don't really tend to hear all the fans really you 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 hear them if you want to. Okay. If you really focus yeah, on them, you can you yeah. can hear them. But really, I just tend tend not to listen. I made the mistake of listening once to a fan when I can't remember where, where we were playing, and it was in, it was away, and our our home fans came down, and a fan was telling me what to do for my throwing. Well, my my manager was on the side of the pitch, and I listened. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, I was like, "What? What am I doing? <laughs> why did I? Why did I just listen to that?" I was just like, honestly, I don't know if I just thought it was somebody on my team telling me that, but then I just looked and just realised that was a fan that was saying that. I was like, "That's that's really when I just started kind of just like blocking it out." But then there's also the other side, the big part in football right now. There's a whole the whole, like, the kick races and out of football and everything, I would, I wouldn't, I'm not sure, I would say I'm probably more fortunate not to be, not to have heard it firsthand, 
Yeah, so what we're talking about at the moment, just in case people are, are listening in the past, that there's a, a big Black Lives Matter movement happening at the moment. And uh, Matty, from you know your Zimbabwean descent, uh, growing up in Scotland, you're, you're reasonably um, on your own, would I say that, in terms of, of race? Uh, yeah. In, in Scotland, so you're you're just kind of we're, we're just brushing over this, and I think it's really good to hear your thoughts on it, and and uh, like just carry on where you were. Sorry, just I just wanted to raise that away. Yeah. It's it's I couldn't I couldn't imagine what it'd be like um, being on the pitch and hearing that, and from a crowd or whatever or a section of the crowd, I couldn't really imagine how it feels but I don't think it could be any less embarrassing than hearing it second hand from either like a referee or a manager at half time asking you if you heard that or whatever and you're saying no and then apparently it was, it was happening for the full half and then you having to then be taken off in the second half because it hadn't stopped happening but you, you haven't heard it obviously I didn't go out in the second half trying to hear it but I just tried to continue and hopefully like it would stop or whatever but then it just kept on going and I think it's I, I don't really want to feel what it's like being racially abused firsthand but I think it's just as probably just as embarrassing just it happening like secondly being told secondhand Obviously, I'm proud of who I am and what I am, to be honest. I'm not proud of it. I wouldn't really shirk away or anything. But there's, it's obvious. I know if I know if I'm on, I know I'm already like the only black player in the pitch. I know I already stand out already. There's no need for you thinking that you're braver or bigger than everyone else here to then point it out because it doesn't make you any bigger or tougher or whatever. It just really makes you a bit of a prick, to be honest. No, it's 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 great to it's such a such a challenge in our world right now. And in Scotland there's there's a lot of things that divide the country. Um and it's something that we we need to eradicate completely. The the positives I take from what you're saying is there's maybe been one incidence of it, which is a real credit to to where you've been and the people around you in your environment, that, that that's the only thing you can talk about. And it's it's certainly something that's at the forefront at the moment and it's something we need to, to keep on top of. And uh, if there was anyone younger who's in, in your situation, you know, I'm pretty sure you'd be available on for uh, a chat or any, any sort of communication. I know they can get you through Twitter and stuff. I know you'd be open to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If it, if really, if anybody is struggling with anything in, anything in general, to be honest, I'm, I'm more open. If you ask me about like four years ago when I was at Rangers, yeah, there was a bit, of, a bit more arrogance that comes with that. I wouldn't really be open as much to talk to, uh, not so much like just the public, just the everyday person. But now becoming that everyday person myself and knowing what it's like, then I would definitely 
I have a changing room. I would definitely just speak to anyone if anyone needs anything, anything to talk about. Like they can find me on any socials or anything. I'll have a conversation for anything, literally any struggles, any problems or racism or anything. If they just need help in general, I'd be there. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. And you really are a top lad. Look, Matty, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, thank you so much for your insights and your honesty and your, your bravery. I'm pretty sure we'll probably sit down and have another go at this um, when I'm a bit more skilled and I've done a bit more, this being uh, yeah. one of my first attempts at it. So I'd like to thank you for helping me and enjoy the rest of your night, buddy. And I'll speak to you soon. No problem. Cheers, Johnny. Thank you, pal. That's it for another episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can get me on Twitter at PlayTrainGrow. You can email PlayTrainGrow at gmail.com. This is a new thing for me and for those involved. I'd love some feedback. If there's any other areas you'd like covered, any other topics you'd like to discuss, just let me know. Thank you. Thank you, buddy.